This is a program about going deeper. It's about creating a culture of learning. It's about putting apostolic feet to prophetic hope. It is our mission to purposefully equip the world to transform their region with God's love. We want to create an atmosphere of divine influence to the nations by walking in the power of His Holy Spirit with a faith that shapes the future. Welcome to Eagle Mountain Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to Eagle Mountain Radio. My name is Chris and I'll be your host today. And I've got with us Becky and Bobby Hobby and Veronique Vaughn. Hey there. You guys, I'm not going to say how you're doing. I'm working on this. I'm working on this. Instead, I'm going to ask you the least favorite thing your parents made you eat growing up. Hot dogs. Green beans. Green beans. Oh yeah. You used to hide them. Hide them. So you like... Behind the napkin, the under yes. the plate. Yep. Behind the fridge. Or were you like disgusting. premeditated before they can even be prepared, I'm hiding them? I'm like, you know what? I would put them in my mouth and then I would go to the bathroom. <gasps> I oh. conveniently have to yeah. go to the bathroom. That's Sawyer's trick. Them out. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I, Bobby's family, I've actually heard stories where when they were moving, they moved the fridge and they found green beans behind the fridge. Oh my like, goodness. Dried, disgusting. That is so good. So gross. This is a good question. This is a good question. Yes. Very I think it was um, Brussels sprouts. Because I remember, you know, uh, you guys have summer squash. In South Africa, we've got this stuff called gem squash. And it's like this green squash, but you serve it in its little shell. Bowl. Yeah. And so you, you eat it out of the bowl and then you put it, I would turn it upside down and put my Brussels sprouts underneath. But today Smart it's my move. favorite mm-hmm. vegetable. No way. I would do you have to put Brussels like brown sugar on bacon on it or do you nope. eat it? You eat those little Just nasty cabbages? Oh, See, you good. say nasty, no, I hear. Yes, wow. I agree with you. Yeah. They're good. Brussels sprouts would have been my <laughs> least favorite thing, but my parents didn't really make me eat that. But we would have these lima beans sometimes oh. in various things, and those aren't like those those. are made of chalk. I'm not sure why people <laughs> eat them. I didn't like those either. Yes. <laughs> They're not good. I, I never got away with hiding anything, though. Oh. And my dad, like whatever I wouldn't eat, um, he would be so, no problem. He'd wrap it up, and in the morning, that was my first breakfast. Yeah, that's what that we did. What okay, I had to I remember that, story. Owen? Ah. I have a story. I had to eat it up the trash one day. <gasps> so I threw it away. You did not. I did. Oh. That's good. I that's had good. To scoop it out of the trash. Put <laughs> was it, back it Brussels my sprouts? Ah. Eat it. Yeah. Br- it was. Yeah. So it was a recurring oh. issue with you. But the Lord redeemed it. Now it's your favorite thing. He did, because it's your favorite now. Lima beans are not my favorite thing now. They're still made of chalk. That's the problem with them. If they changed the way they made them, maybe you'd like them now. If they made them out of pizza, I would be okay with them. (laughs) I still put green beans in my pockets when I'm at restaurants. No, he doesn't. You're so not eat green beans now? I, I will do that, but I don't like them, especially when they get soggy. If they're snappy yeah. off the vine, then I'm on it. Yeah. But if they're not... Okay. If they're the canned, squishy, yeah. you won't eat them. I don't I'm... mind them. I don't mind them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's participating. He was about to say he likes them. He likes Too green beans. Funny. You like green beans, right? Yes, he's One of my sons, yes. Owen, is running the camera, and he's definitely a green beans fan. But that's the only green thing he'll eat. Nice. Medium. He's saying medium. Okay, this podcast isn't about green beans or Brussels sprouts um, or lima beans. But 
It is about something, yes. Or like, hot dogs. Or hot dogs, that's right. Yes. Hot dogs. As a kid, hot dogs were amazing. I don't know what, Becky, I, you, I don't I know. know. Well, see, I didn't grow up with them until uh, it was, I was later in life. So, you know, it was in like 10, 8, 9, 10 that we started to eat hot dogs because they weren't available in uh, in Italy. You were you know, just too younger. sophisticated yeah. for yes. hot dogs. <laughs> the rest of us loved them. Um, I like them now. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. They're they have to be like pasta for jewel or something <laughs> like yeah. extravagant. I loathe hot dogs. <laughs> I don't like food. I love it. And if I don't love it, I don't swallow. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> so up, right? it yes, it actually, does. yes, it does. So yes. um, that's actually not what this podcast is about. So if you're still listening, thank you for hanging thank you for with still us. Being here. Um, we appreciate it. Um, let us know in the comments what your uh, most hated food is when you were growing up. Yes. And I don't know what we're going to do with that, but something. But this podcast isn't about that at all. What we want to do on this podcast is we want to listen to a clip from a really, really powerful message that, Bobby, you gave uh, recently. Um, you can find the link to that message in the show notes. I really strongly recommend that you take the time to go through that whole message. It's really, really good. Um, very cool. There's some surprises in it, so I'll let you discover those. But we want to listen to this clip, and it's a message about mantles, not the kind on your fireplace. Different kind. So let's go ahead and listen to that clip now, and then we'll get into it. There's some promises that are about to manifest in 2022 that God gave you some over a decade or two ago, and the Lord said, I want you to speak them into existence. I want you to pray and say and prophesy what I've already told you. So this, at this point, we're not asking. At this point, we're decreeing. Does that make sense? That's totally different than asking. We're coming into a place and we're saying, you said... And we know that if we pray according to his will, 1 John 5, 14, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and we pray according to his will, we have the petitions that we ask for. And so it's super important that we understand God saying, I don't want to do this for you. I want to do this with you. Open your mouth and decree. And 2022 will be a year of decreeing and you creating the things that God has already promised you. Isaiah 22, 22 comes in line here. It's the keys of the house of David. Isaiah 22, 22. He says, I will give to you the keys of the house of David. In other words, I will give you the ability to unlock presence. The house of David is all about kingship, authority, identity, presence, and all of that. I will give to you the keys to the house of David. How many of you know there's some doors in your life that need to be open, and there's some doors in your life that need to be forever locked, forever shut, right? God said that there's going to be a new light on the ministry of deliverance beginning right now, beginning right now. The way we see deliverance... Right now, there's still a little bit of a stigma regarding deliverance, isn't there? Oh, you had deliverance. <laughs> Listen, deliverance is not just getting delivered from things. Deliverance is getting delivered to things. And we need some people who know how to deliver us to things, not just to get rid of some things. 
how to bring you into the next, how to take you into what God's promised you a long time ago. Even Lewis and Clark needed Sacagawea to get where they were going. Somebody take us not just from something, but to something. And so strategy and deliverance are going to marry this year in 2022. I'm going to help the deliverance ministry have strategy to not just take you from something, but to bring you into something. So don't be weird about needing deliverance. Right now, it's time to get it. If you've got any baggage from the past, if you've got anything you're carrying, if you've got anything you just don't want, mindsets, feelings, emotions, time capsules that are still stuck in the 80s. Oh, sorry. If you've got anything that's happening that you feel like, what am I still uh, battling with this about? Make sure you get deliverance. God's going to change the narrative. I'm not just delivering you from something. I'm delivering you to something. And that should be the most celebrated anointing on the planet. I mean it. Deliverance will become the most celebrated anointing on the planet in the next four or five years is what God's showing me. Wow. Wow. Um, Okay. Initial thoughts. What do you think? Uh, so it's so funny because this, uh, you know, you spoke this message and then I think it was the day after or two days after uh, I saw this picture online show up and uh, it's defining the Hebrew year this year, which is 5782. Uh, and they did 5 plus 7 plus 8 plus 2 equals 22. Uh, 22. And it's, tw- uh, two o tw- uh, it's 2022. This wow. year is 2022. Yeah. And this is what they, and it, they mentioned Isaiah 2022. 20, uh, I will place on his shoulders the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Wow. And wow. I just thought, oh, Lord, you're so good to us to give us this message and have it confirmed, uh, you know, so soon thereafter. And even prior to coming into 2022, I kept finding these keys that I have around the house. Um, and they're like the, the old-fashioned keys. And I, I felt this need to want to collect them and put them into a box. And I didn't even know why. And I still, you know, I'm like, Lord, why is it in this little box, all these keys? And the first thing he talked to me about was, um, you know, the, these are keys that are necessary um, to, and they repre- each one of them represents something. Uh, and the first one starts with uh, the things in my heart. What things do I need to shut uh, off that I'm giving ear to and that I'm giving vision to or I'm giving time to? And what things do I need to open toward the Lord more? And then Bobby speaks this message. And it was like, Lord, you're so good. And so, you know, for the first thing, it's, Lord, this... um, what the, the whole concept of the Isaiah 22, 22 is, is being turned for me into mm-hmm. a different dimension and a different view of it, a different mm-hmm. lens is coming on it, which mm-hmm. is so powerful. And it, like everything in uh, 2022, I think we're, we're pivoting in the way that we look at things. And I think Eric mentioned this before, Bobby's mentioned this before, you know, it's, it's seeing through the, the lens of God more. Mm, yeah. Just on the keys, um, I think so often people can go 
up to a door in their life, try to open it and it be locked. And then they just move on, but they move away feeling disappointed or feeling let down or feeling just like sad. I, I want to say darkness. There's a form of darkness attached to not being able to open the door. And when the Lord says that he has keys for us, the keys for the kingdom, it's to open the doors that contain promises behind. And so as you were talking mm -hmm. about the keys, I felt like I just needed to remind you guys, um, these keys, they bring hope. And with it, we have to sever from hopelessness and from what we carried in the past pertaining to the thing that we so desired. Sometimes, I don't know about you guys, um, in, in your family, Chris, especially with teenagers, a person hopes for something, and I don't know why it is with teenagers, they like to mock you when you <laughs> really have your, your heart they set on something. They do mock you. They do. <laughs> There's like this don't element they? of mock. You mocked me once. Never do it again. Um, but there's this element of they don't want to get their hopes up because, well, what's the point? What's the point of getting your hopes up? It's like something that could be made fun of. But I say get your hopes up. Get your hopes up, people. The keys are being made available to us. They have been made available, but with fresh revelation and new questions and different perspective, man, it's time for us to get our hopes up because those doors are going to fly open and you need to be ready to pick up and run. Wow. Come on. Let's go. Very good. Mantles is what the Lord showed me for this message. He said, I remember him saying, I'm turning mantles into mandates. Yeah. And that's when we get the keys, is when we decide, oh, wow, the things that I've been imparted to, they're no longer just neat things. They're not lo no longer just novelties for me. They actually have with them a mandate, you know, that all of the great cloud of witnesses are cheering us on and longing. They saw the day and longed to do what we would do, and now we're doing it and, and all of that. They're not just cheering us on. They're really hoping that we will run and bring into tangibility yes. what they started. They also know that even though it seems their race is done, the Bible smashes that and says in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 that their callings are not fulfilled apart from us. So even they're waiting to have their callings fulfilled. Yeah. And God set it up this way to where even their callings would not be fulfilled apart from us. That's why they're championing us. Mm -hmm. That's why they're going, you can do this. Mm -hmm. Why? Because if you're an orphan, you don't understand yeah. um, that principle. You understand that, you, or you think that your calling is limited to you. You really can't see past your nose. But if you're a part of legacy and you see the kingdom, then you understand, oh my goodness, I, have, I am carrying a baton right now that is something that was given to me. And I'm running to do so well to set up even the next generation, God should tarry. So um, in Proverbs, that's why it says uh, a, a true father makes decisions with his children's children in mind. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So as you guys um, were talking, it started with the keys. And then, when, Veronique, when you were kind of expanding on that, and now as you're saying this, I saw this um, vision of... Um, this thing that uh, is very cliche that people say all the time, um, 
You know, when God shuts a door, he opens a window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what I think they often mean is, I came to the door, and I rattled it, yeah. and it was locked. And so that means the Lord, that's not for me. And so this is what the Lord showed me. The Lord showed me a video game from the 90s, and I don't remember what it was. It might have been Zelda. I don't know. It was some kind of thing. And you come to these doors. And in these old video games, you know, where it was 2D, and you were looking down, and you were this little guy, and you come to the door, and then you don't have the key. So then what do you do? You give up. You never go in the door, right? No. You go find the key. That's the game. It's a puzzle game. You got to find the key. So you go find the key, okay? So the Lord told me that the key is the mantle. So the door's locked right now because you haven't yet received the mantle. But how often do we in our faith go to the door? Locked, not for me. Go to the next thing. Looking for the window now, Lord. You lock the door looking for the window. But really what he's asking us to do is to go receive the keys and go back to the door that was locked. And then that's the season that we need to step into. But we don't do that. We just give up so easy. The second that door is locked, we say, oh, this isn't for me. I'm out. Going somewhere else. This isn't for me. This got hard. The door was locked. Instead, maybe what we need to do is go find the key. Maybe what we need to do sometimes is kick the door in. Who cares if it's locked? Kick the door in. And I'm not saying go where the Lord is telling you not to go. But sometimes I feel like, man, we give up super easy. Like, it's kind of pathetic. And what, like, this video game from the 90s, we're, like, not going to not go in that door. We're going to have enough faith to go find the key, but we can't even do that in our own life. We can do that in Zelda, but we can't do that in our own life. Like, what's wrong with us? I don't know. But you're so right. I mean, the key is found in the mantle or in um, honoring those who've gone before you. Because if you're fiddling around with the key and somebody else has gone before you and we're not honoring that, then chances are we won't find the key. So, Lord, uh, is there someone else who's built a business like this that I should be reading their books or uh, getting impartation from? Is there someone else uh, of an anointing that I admire? Maybe they're not exactly like me, but I'm inspired by them. Am I getting inspired so that I can get the impartation, get the mantle, and that that is tied to the new key? Look at it this way. David wanted to bring a tabernacle with no veil. Mm -hmm. He wanted to do something that had never been done on the planet before. Up to this point, it was God's mandate that only the high priest could go beyond the veil into the presence. But David said, I want every man and every woman and every child to experience the presence of the Lord. God, I want to bring uh, and and introduce a temple with no veil. I want to bring something new. Mm -hmm. Um, God didn't tell David to do that. That was David's idea. Mm -hmm. And so David... Ask the Lord to do that. And God says, as long as you go back to Gibeah and sacrifice at Moses' tabernacle, Hmm. then I'll let you bring in the new because you cannot bring in the new without honoring the old first. And he did it. Mm. And he got the mantle and he got the key. Because mantles change us. Mantles change how we see ourselves. It's kind of like a different outfit. Right. You know, why, why do we wear special dresses on wedding days? Because yeah. we want to feel like the bride. And that mantle, when we put it on, we start to see ourselves our, our through the eyes of what we look like in that mantle. Then we start to operate from who we are. Mm-hmm. That, that thoroughly excites me. I n- never put together 
I'm sorry, I just flicked you. That's all right. <laughs> that was awesome. Flicked my mantle. <laughs> At least it didn't come off, eh? Um, I've never realized that you can have a mantle from someone who hasn't passed away. Yes, you yes. can. Yes, yes. So this is, this is a really um, good thing. I'd love for you to spend just one or two minutes and kind of explain, define, help us understand what a mantle is. Not everybody that's listening might even understand this. So this is perfect. Yep. As they... Uh, as God was prescribing how fathers and mothers would train sons and daughters and raise up legacy, he wanted the calling and the word and the culture of heaven to be preserved through the ages. So uh, mothers and fathers were required by the Lord to sit down with their children and teach them the ways of God. It came so much so to where they began to begin to pass down the very mantles, the very coats and or the cloaks that they wore. Nowadays, they make movies about cloaks and all of that, but really started with biblical history. Um, they all had cloaks. Remember, Joseph got a coat of many colors, and he got that cloak before his dad died. And uh, so uh, one of the famous stories is the Elijah Elisha when he says, when I'm ta being taken from you, if you see me when I go, you can have my mantle. And Elijah, by this time, mantles had become so important, he, he wanted it. He's like, can I? And Elijah asked him, uh, my spiritual son, is there anything you want from me before I go? He knew his time was, uh, was short. And, he, and Elijah, Elisha asked, he goes, I want the same spirit that's on you. I want what you have. Can I get it? And Elijah goes, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me when I go, then you can have it. And so the word see me means to behold me, not just see me physically, but if you behold what I'm carrying, when I go, you can have what I have. Mm. And that's where honor comes in, where we see the people around us. We behold why they're in our lives, why they challenge us, why they're different than us. And we start to value what they carry and truly behold it. We can actually have it. And that's the key. We understand, oh, Lord, I... Um, Acts 17 is real. You really chose the time that we should live, the neighborhood into which family, and the friends that are around us because they have something I need. Mm. And then we learn that secret and we go, okay, I'm picking up this mantle and I'm running with it. So that's where mantles came from. And you can, back in the day, those were physical mantles you got. Um, there's a reason why when my grandfather passed, my grandmother, she could have given me money. She could have given me inheritance. She could have given me a part of the family property, all of this stuff. But she gave me my grandfather's coats. I got two of them. Wow. And she gave Becky um, her coat. And she never, we never talked about this, but somehow the Lord put it on her heart. These kids wouldn't love anything else than your mantles. Mm. We learned early on wow. to honor the people in front of us and around us because that's how you get mantles. I think about this, though. Uh, you said you have to pick up those mantles. So I was uh, listening to that 10-minute and go and listen to the whole thing. It is so, there's so much in it, um, in that message. But I, I was thinking about this, and as you're listening to this, uh, the 10-minute, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but in the background, you hear this little kid just melting down. Okay. And it's the beginning. And, and I just want to, like, the backstory of this is here's this family 
they have this young child that's melting down and they're, they're processing with their child and their child is in another room. Um, and you know, we have provided a space where this is totally okay to do, you know, and parents have the space and liberty to do this with their kids because we're not expecting perfection from children. We're expecting them to, um, to grow and to learn. And sometimes it's melting down. And, uh, and, and so there's, you know, the, the kid is screaming. So bear with as you hear that and just bless that child because, and bless those parents because they did such an amazing and beautiful job, you know, allowing that to happen. But, um, but here's this child and I'm like, uh, you know, listening to the Lord in it. And I'm hearing uh, Bobby talk about deliverance. And I'm thinking, how many of us Right now, grown-ups supposedly are melting down as Bobby's talking about this because we're so afraid of becoming who God has really called us to become and to pick up the mantles that have been laid before us. And so we're, we're all in this, you know, processing moment of, um, but this little child is like, it, their soul doesn't know what to do with the, the struggle that they're feeling in the spirit from all of these adults. And so they're, they're having the meltdown for us, but really all of these adults are melting down wow. and they're quiet and they look like they're all together and the Lord's going, look at how many of you need deliverance. Wow. It's going to be okay you, in, you, for sometimes for you to pick up a mantle, you're going to need to be delivered from something to be delivered to that mantle to pick it up. And we, oh Lord, help us now. Speak to our hearts. And I just charge you to ask him, what is it that you need to be delivered from to be delivered to that mantle, to pick it up, to be who God's called you to be? And stop the self-sabotage. Whoa. Elisha said, it was said in that exchange that Elisha tore off his clothes Mm. so he could put on the new mantle. Mm. So what do we need to take off so that we can put on? And then he struck that the water just like he had seen Elijah do. Because when they were going over, um, Elijah struck the water. And they walked over across the Jordan on dry ground. Mm. And so that's the first thing he did. He was like, he said these words, where is the God of Elijah? And then he did what Elijah did. And his first miracle was to strike those same waters. And the very cloak that uh, Elijah used to part the waters when they walked over was the very cloak that now Elisha was using to go back across. Mm. And that's how the Lord showed himself to him and said, I was just with Elijah. You saw it as you crossed over. Now I am with you. That's Mm. why the sea or the Jordan is parting for you now. Can you imagine the confidence? Mm. And that's what fathers and mothers do. They really, their intention is to get a cloak on you. Because they recognize as soon as you start to see uh, the power that you carry, the favor that's on your life, that you're carrying something that's bigger than you. Um, then you recognize, oh, wow, this is, now I'm going to assume this and I'm going to wear this with dignity, but I am humbled because this was given to me. Mm. I have a question. Um, Elijah operated in a gift from the Lord, 
in the spirit of the Lord in all that he did, which was what Elisha craved. It's always intrigued me that Elijah felt he had the right to tell Elisha, when I go, it's yours. Yeah, it's kind of brazen. It's very brave. Come on. And I, okay, so there's that aspect. Like, what did he know? What did he know? What was his understanding that he knew he had the right to say, you can have it? Right? Like, if someone had to come and ask me, like, hey, I see this in your life. Um, Can you pray for me? Or I'd love, I automatically feel well, that's not mine to give. God gave it to me. I don't have the right. It's a spiritual thing. How can I give it? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's just always intrigued me that he, ha- he knew and he had the right to say, did God, t- do you think God told him to say that? Or do you think God blessed his boldness when he said that? You know what I mean? I feel like it's the same question as with, uh, you're talking about David who created this worship environment with no veil. Mm -hmm. And like, it's kind of similar. Like, how did he have the, you know, guts? Uh I was going to say something else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. To do it. Here's how it works. If honor, as I mentioned, in this message is so key to getting the mantle. And God will allow mantles to fall. And he'll put this on the father or the mother. See how they're honoring? See how they, and honor has to do with, teach me about it. Mm. I honor what you have. Share with me what you have. I see the gold in you and I want it. Really, that's what spiritual fathers and mothers are supposed to do. They're supposed to walk in such a way that creates hunger for those around them. I don't know what it is about you, but I want it mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that's the greatest gift is hunger that spiritual parents impart mm. to their kids. Because they're going to put on that mantle and they're gonna, the kids are going to walk it out in different ways, right? You're not going to tell them, no, you do it exactly the way I did it. Mm. Um, that's not, they're gonna, it's going to fit them differently. Um, but, but the secret in getting the mantle or knowing someone's ready for a mantle is you can feel them. They're zeroing in on your mantle, whether they know it or not. They're like, they're like, I'm pretty sure that will fit me. And they're loving what you carry. And that's how you sort of sense that. And you know, all right. You're after my mantle. Mm-hmm. Whether you know it or not, mm-hmm. I can feel you sizing mm-hmm. it up mm-hmm. on me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to start to give it to you and I'm going to start to pour it out. And when you feel that virtue begin to flow, then go ahead and start releasing um, your mantle to them. And you don't have to, the neat thing about it is, we mentioned this already, but you don't have to pass over to release your mantle. Mm-hmm. You can have, Isaiah 54 said, more children should the barren woman have than the married woman because this is a spiritual mantle mm-hmm. that we're giving. And you're not losing anything of your mantle. Not at all. giving it away. Right? Yeah, there's been talks and books about it and all kinds of things. I can't give you my mantle because mm-hmm. then what am I going to have? Listen, it's all about multiplication. Mm-hmm. You're not going to lose your mantle. You, you, and, and then at the same time, uh, make sure you're giving your mantle to your kids. Don't give it to the dude that comes up to you and that you've never met. You've never mm-hmm. seen right. his honor. You've never seen his virtue. You've never seen him serve you. Mm. Yeah. Don't, give, don't give it away like that. Right. 
because then um, it, it won't end up in the right spot. But give it to the ones, to the sons. Fathers and mothers have to find sons and daughters to give their mantles to. But, you know, we mentioned David and the coat. And um, David received that coat. Um, it was David. No. What am I saying? It's Joseph. Joseph, there you go. So sorry. Joseph and the coat. And, uh, but Joseph was given that coat before he became the man that um, could wear that coat. Uh, but so, so what I'm hearing you say is uh, it, it's both. It's, you know, take that, you know, look for that father. That father's going to give it. Um, you have to be uh, able to carry that mantle. Um, so you have to be maturing and growing. But it will be given when in God's timing. Um, and sometimes that timing is a sign of what is to become. And, and Joseph needed to have that coat in that moment because of what he was going to go through. Oh, I love it. Let me ask you a question. Becky, that's so powerful. Yeah, so what was, so the timing seems really important, but was the timing wrong with Joseph? Cause the coat didn't work out for him. So, but it, it was a symbol <laughs> right? to him right. of what he needed to to hold on to when he was in the pit, when he was in prison. I I can just imagine going through his mind, mm. it does this isn't defining me. Mm. Correct. I'm thinking that what would have happened to him had he had not received the mantle right. and then still went through that crap. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What is the is the man made for the mantle? Yeah. Or is the mantle made for the man? Yeah. Right. And the man is made for the mantle. Mm, yeah. That's why when the prodigal son came back, the father put that mantle on him right away. Because right. he's like, listen, you can't live in your mandate without this mantle. Mm-hmm. So let me get this on you. Because once you get it on you, you start to think differently. Mm-hmm. Oh, got it. Yeah. I'm like not going to wait for you to arrive mm-hmm. right. until you're worthy of this. This thing will actually help mm-hmm. get you where you need to be. And I really wow, believe that's good. that. Yeah, that is good. The dislike that Joseph's brothers had for him was mm-hmm. already there before it was. The, the coat was there, so they would have found any reason to sell him off. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah. he was giving them all kinds of reasons, right? whether it was dreams, yeah. jackets, he was in who he was, whatever. Man. He was causing all kinds of trouble. Yeah. So I feel like yeah. they already that was already set in motion. I think that was the Lord's blessing to Joseph, so that he could grab hold of what the Lord was seeing for I mean, him ahead. Yeah. Veronique, that is yeah. so good. How many, when Jesus was wearing his mantle on this earth and he was doing it unapologetically like Joseph was, how many people got so jealous? Mm-hmm. I mean, really? So they were, Jesus's cross was Joseph's pit. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was the same thing. They just could not understand this arrogant kid Wearing his mantle. Right. How dare he sport that mantle? Is he not the carpenter's son? Yeah. <laughs> I think true. that when yeah. you start to wear <laughs> sure. your... Right. right. What comes out of there? Yeah. When you start to wear your mantle unapologetically, yeah. and you may not even be perfect wearing it. You may tell some dreams prematurely. You may yeah. say, hey, you're going to bow down before me to the people around you. In other words, I'm going to lead you, basically. Mm. God's called me to lead you all. Mm. I mean, you know what I mean? Mm. That's you, you got to know how to say that kind of mm. stuff. 
And so when you tell some things, revelations, prematurely, there's some lessons to be learned there. If you'd go back to uh, Joseph and say, hey, Joe, uh, what were some you know, th- pitfalls? Let's talk about pitfalls. Yeah. And he would say, yeah, I probably shouldn't share that dream so quickly. Yeah. It was really going to happen. God gave it to me, but I didn't need to necessarily like put the pamphlet out there. Said too much, too soon. Yes. So there's <laughs> totally. some ways to like walk in the yeah. mantle and, and you got to put it on. And there's grace to learn how that thing fits. Remember back in the 80s, it's going to date myself, but remember when um, there was a movie... Or no, there was a weekly show called The Greatest American Hero. Yes. Remember that? And this Something's happened to me. Oh, that's yes. part of the theme song. <laughs> you got to look it up now. <laughs> this guy, it's definitely a uh, U.S. Uh, America uh, flick. but it was You a, get a pass, Bertie. It was a weekly... <laughs> It was a weekly show, and this guy, he finds a spacesuit. Yeah. And he puts it on, and, and it starts, like, flying him into walls. And king, king, well, because he loses the instructions. Yes. The instructional, basic the instructions. Bible. Yes. yes. And so Before now he's got to spend his whole, um, every episode, was especially the first ones, that were about learning how to fly in this suit without crashing. Yeah. And he was always crashing and stuff. And then all of a sudden, something happened. And once he learned how to fly in the suit, mm-hmm. he recognized there's a responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm a superhero. Mm-hmm. And he began to sort of assume the position. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what we're doing. We got the mantle on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're learning about the instructions and how to fly this thing. That's so good. Did you have something? Well, I was just She's got her hand you. raised. You go, Veronique. Go. Well, this whole time, like my heart is beating, this whole time, I just have been seeing the father go, like breathing in this, the smell of the sacrifices and how the smell blesses his heart, right? He's made us, as humans have a special smell. Mm-hmm. Dogs and cats smell yeah. different. But what I see, what I've been seeing is when someone... When you put your grandfather's coat on after he passed, I'm sure there was a moment oh, yeah. where you grabbed that and sniffed it in, right? I mean, there's just, oh, there's grandpa. And all the memories that flood back yeah. and all the feelings and all the honor and the generational blessings that were behind, you get to propel forward now. And I just keep seeing, in terms of mantles, the wearer picking up the coat and taking deep breaths in like it never loses the sweetness of the people who wore it before and the goodness that they made in their lives pressed down shaken together running over to benefit you I just keep seeing it helps us remember our why over and over because how hard can it be to keep going keep going and then you pick it up and you smell it and you remember all that they've gone through. And in an instant, you could remember a story that grandpa told you when you were five that matters now and gives you your joy for what's to come. I just keep seeing the father like bringing the air up to his nose, just breathing it in, breathing it in. There's just his pleasure on us slipping into someone else's coat that we have through honor obtained. 
So good. I um, I want to um, dig into something that you referenced, well, you talked about quite a bit in the clip, and we've referenced it a couple of times, um, but that's uh, deliverance. So one of the things that you said in there is that it's not always about being delivered from something, but it's also um, about being delivered to something. So I'd love to start off, if you could explain what deliverance is, and then I'd love to dig into that in the next 10, 12 minutes as we head towards the close, because I feel like there's something that is often overlooked inside um, Christian circles um, through the power of deliverance and what that can do to kind of prepare you for the next thing that you're going to step into. So as we're talking about the locked doors and receiving mantles and kind of seasons and moving in and out of things, there's something incredibly powerful um, about this, this idea of deliverance that may be a missing component from, no, not maybe, is for sure a missing component from a lot of people as they're going to step into ministries or the next season that God has for them. Wow. Okay, so I think that how I would jump off on that is that um, when the children of Israel were being delivered from a long season of bondage, 480 years, I think it was, um, and they were coming out, Israel had the sands of Egypt still in their pockets, so to speak. It's one thing to take someone out of Egypt. It's another thing to take the Egypt out of you. And so God was going to take them through a process of miracles because technically they were out of Egypt as soon as they got out of Egypt. But all of the other things that happened all the way up to the Red Sea were moments for miracles to get the Egypt out of them. And so uh, the Bible says, uh, a great proverb, um, the earth shakes when a slave becomes a king. Why? Because if you can't handle that much authority, um, then bad things happen. And so how do we get these guys to get the Egypt out of them and the sands of Egypt out of their pockets so that they can enter into the promised land? And deliverance is that. That was the, that was the path and the process for the children of Israel to cross the Red Sea. And Paul picked up on it later in the New Testament and calls it their baptism. And so you know the story, they went across on dry ground and then all the things that oppressed them, that were following them, chasing them, had enslaved them for years, were now going to be crushed. And so if you can enter into a baptism um, with the Lord, it's true. Just like Paul said, we're buried with Christ. In other words, your past cannot follow you through the sea. And God is just so good about saying, hey, listen, there's a self-sabotage that I want to get out of you. If I can deliver you out of Egypt, but I can't deliver the Egypt out of you, you will continue making decisions based on your past. Mm. And you'll never grow, and you'll keep self-sabotaging yourself. And people always uh, don't often always um, get it when God's trying to say, hey, listen, there's an enemy and then there's the enemy. Mm-hmm. 
And that is where I'm making decisions that partner with the enemy. He no longer needs to work over time because he just says one thing and I go, oh, exactly. And I sort of take it from there and carry on the conversation on my, on my own. So deliverance says, hey, listen, let's forget those things. Let's unpartner with those things so that when he whispers them, you don't carry on the conversation in your mind. And so then that way, uh, Jesus said this way, when he came to the earth, he said his disciples this. He said, uh, Satan has come, but he's got nothing in me. In other words, there's nothing in me that partners with him. And so he was telling his disciples, you do well to unpartner with him too. And that's really what deliverance does. And there's such a negative connotation on deliverance. Gosh, I, I, I had to, you know, be... Uh, I had seven demons that had to come out of me or all the pictures that we think of negativity, but really God's redefining or taking it to the next level and saying, listen, deliverance isn't just the evil that gets taken out of you or the wrong mindsets or the self-sabotage or the generational curses or the things your dad did to you or your mom did to you. Some of them aren't just self-sabotage. Some of them are major woundings that you incurred. And so God says, it's not just that that I want to take off of you. Some of the things that I want to take off of you, it's bad enough that it happened to you once. But what I don't want it to do is to continue happening, happen, happening to you through your mindsets. And so God's delivering us two things now. And he's like, okay, you were called to be this. This is why this came at you. And can you understand that the very thing you're called to is the opposite of your attack? So if you were fear, then courage was your call. The enemy knew exactly how because he, is, he doesn't waste any shots. He's put you in the crosshairs and he sent that shot out because he discerned your greatness. And the very thing that you've been attacked with is the very opposite of your calling. Mark it. Mm. Wow. You guys, what do you, you guys got something? I think. Uh, I mean, that was really good. It was. Uh, <laughs> what I was thinking of, about, though, is uh, what is one thing that, um, you know, right now God is releasing um, and delivering us to, and it is um, to the mindset that uh, our Heavenly Father is a good Heavenly Father. Yeah. Mm. That's really good. Yeah. Mm. I think also um, thinking of what Scripture says that the saints are going to be living in, in the end times, as well as some of the prophetic voices, what they've spoken, I think delivered to the belief that that is a possibility. That actually, yes, we are meant, we're going to be performing greater miracles than Jesus performed. We're going to be living in the supernatural like Jesus lived in the supernatural. And for us right now, for many, many of us, we do, I will raise, I'll put my hand on a sick person and I'm like, I'm spinning that wheel for the lottery, whether it wins or not, you know? Like, I don't know if this is gonna happen. Um, but to step into believing, God, you said it, this isn't my problem. If this doesn't happen, I, that's, on, that's on you, I'm, I'm gonna, be as bold as I need to be. I'm gonna believe. I'm gonna. I'm taking this by the horns, and I'm gonna live, because that is scary. And a lot of Christians, actually, I've had a few conversations where they're like, "I just don't understand." Scripture says we can, and it doesn't happen. And I'm like, "How many dead people have you prayed for? How many blind people have you prayed for? Yes. You know, how many lame 
Have you prayed for? Like, yes. Okay. Are we maybe just not believing that we can? So I think I, I'm like holding on to that's the one I'm holding on to. It's like yes, the lock, right? Like it's the lock. Yes. We tried it yep. like for two seconds and ah. Embarrassment stopped This us. isn't what the Lord has for me. This is locked clearly. Yes. So I guess I'll look for that window. Yeah. But, you know. You know. Guys, that's why deliverance, mantles, and keys are all in the same conversation. Mm. Because deliverance so helps you understand, oh, whoa, I've got, there is a legacy here. Deliverance gets off of you this narcissistic mindset, the orphan mentality. It enables you to wear the mantle. And I think maybe the mantle, probably one of the first things it suggests to you when you slip it on is... You need deliverance. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of this thing. If you're going to wear this thing, how do I wear it? And we start valuing it. We start going, oh, Lord, yeah. it's by grace that you put this on. I want to wear it well. Yeah. You know, and it's just this desire to do justice, yeah. to love mercy, just all the things that the Bible says to do. As a son and a daughter, you just start assuming the position. But if you stay an orphan, you'll never ask those questions. Yep. It just won't become pertinent to you mm -hmm. to want the double portion. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Wow. Well, um, I really feel like in, in the next, you know, two minutes as we kind of wrap this up, I'd love it, Bobby, if you would take those two minutes and pray for people no matter where they are inside the various things that we've talked about. So maybe you're the person that has, uh, you know, gone and, and tried the thing and given up way too easily and, and you need to go find the key or kick the door in or whatever because really the Lord has called you to that and the enemy has gone and jammed up that door and you actually need to go through that door. Um, and that you shouldn't be looking for the way out, but really stepping into that thing, even though it's difficult. And then I think there's other people that God has prepared a mantle for them and they're ready and they need to receive it. But actually the next thing for them to do is to go through a deliverance process so that they're actually able to step into that next season without whatever the restrictions are that have come from whatever. Maybe it's not even anything that's from their life, but maybe it is a generational issue. Um, and then there, there, there are the people that really know they need to go locate that key, but just don't want to put the effort in to go find that because it's difficult. And going through the process sometimes to go search out and do the hard work of looking for that key, which you know is the next step, is just a lot. And it's a lot easier to just kind of move past that. So I would love it if you would take a minute or two and just pray for people where they are, and then we'll go ahead and end um, this fantastic episode. I Do you really mind like if this. I unpack something before I pray? I Is think okay? you need to. Can I take just a... Yes. Okay. So right now it's super pivotal and we're going to see in the next several years um, Roe v. Wade, I believe, overturned. And it's super important. I was asking the Lord about it and talking to the Lord about it the other day. And now you know the Lord's heart about unborn babies, about aborted babies, about the value for the next generation and all of that. But here's what I heard the Lord say. We don't just have an abortion issue. We have a mother and father issue. Fathers and mothers, right? It was the spirit of the age that legalized abortion and created those clinics. But fathers and mothers chose to go to those clinics. And so what we have that needs to be healed is a father and a mother issue. 
And there's a whole bunch of kiddos that should have been born that the Lord snatches every one of them. Every one of them. He's like, I get them all, Bobby. They all come to the throne room and I get them all. And they're all praising me. And even though they weren't born on the earth, they still get to come here and they get and they return here and they get to learn the oracles of God. And then they get to be the main intercessor for the family that they should have been born into. I mean, just the redemption of the Lord is crazy. But what about the fathers and mothers that those sons and daughters should have become? And God's redemption on the earth is for every, what, 52 million or whatever the number is, crazy amount of abortions that have happened since Roe v. Wade was um, legalized. God says it's not right unless the scales turn and out of those babies that should have been sons and daughters that should have been mothers and fathers by now that I don't create spiritual mothers and fathers on the planet. Watch what I do for every child that was aborted. And so it's super important that if we understand keys and mantles that we understand those don't happen apart from mothers and fathers. They don't happen apart from mothers and fathers because mothers and fathers are the ones who beget sons and daughters. And so I'm asking, and I just want to charge you right now, I'm asking the Lord to raise up 52 million mothers and fathers that should have been mothers and fathers by now. And the ones who know how to release sons and daughters on the planet so that mantles can truly be passed on. And so I, if you are mentoring anybody, if you're growing anybody, if you're loving on anybody, uh, my challenge to you is become a father and mother. Uh, one of the issues that we have in this society for the uh, children who are living is that fathers have decided to become friends instead of becoming fathers first. Don't. Be a friend first. If you're called to father that person, be a father first. Be a mother first. And it causes confusion when you try to be a friend to the person you're supposed to mother or father. Mm. You can be a friend to them, but be a father first. Be a mother first. And if you're being um, mentored by anybody, if you've seen anything in anyone or heard or read their books, then think outside of being an orphan and say, oh God, I want their mantle. Whether you know them or not, whether they've passed or not, whether you're reading books about Smith Wigglesworth or people that inspire you, ask the Lord for their mantle. Suddenly, the mindset that you're living beyond yourself will come upon you because that's really what you're asking for. Yeah. And you will find that just like the first century church, they knew that they were carrying on something. They were drinking from a well they didn't dig. And something was being entrusted to them that had started way before them. So now let's pray for sons and daughters and true mothers and fathers. Father, we come to you. Yes, you've become our friend as Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves, but you are first our father. 
And Lord, you say that we've come out of bondage. You've not given us the spirit of slavery again, but you've given us your spirit whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And so, Lord, we come to allow ourselves to be fathered first. And we just ask right now in the sovereignty of this moment, Father me. Father me. Because in order to become a, a father yourself, you should have been first sons and daughters. And so, Father me. Holy Spirit, Father me. And then... I pray for those who are mothers and fathers spiritually and or naturally. Whether you learned from a good dad or a good spiritual father or mother or not does not matter. God will take you if you're hungry, if you're willing, if you get this understanding on mantles and legacy. God will use you and make you a father to the fatherless even if you were fatherless. That's how he works. That's Isaiah 54. If you didn't grow up with a good dad, you're the prime candidate to be a supernatural father because it's a supernatural impartation. If you didn't grow up with a mother and you wonder, how am I going to mother these kids, these spiritual kids? You're the prime candidate. So I first and foremost impart to you that you're a father, that you're a mother. Walk with the dignity knowing that what you carry is affecting those around you. And then put it on and do it intentionally. And if you're a son or a daughter, then honor the fathers and mothers around you. See, behold what they carry. Honor it. Speak to it. Tell them how much you appreciate them. And by doing so, you'll begin to value it. And by valuing it, you'll get the mantle. These are the keys. And so I bless you with keys. I bless you with keys of honor this season and this year. I bless you with keys to see to what needs to be unlocked and what needs to be locked and delivered from your mindset to never return again. I bless you to see people around you differently. I bless you to see yourself differently. I bless you to see the ones that you're fathering and mothering differently and the ones who fathered and mothered you differently. And I bless you to get the keys of honor and honor those who've gone before you. Maybe they weren't perfect, but honor has nothing to do with perfection. It has to do with you carrying on what they should have or could have walked in. Blessings to you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Man, that was so good. Thank you, Bobby. Very much appreciate it. Take a moment and subscribe and like this uh, episode and uh, make sure you're subscribed to this channel and take a second and share this out. And again, want to hear feedback from you guys. So let us know. Um, let us know what you think and uh, we will see you guys on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.